0: I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We are going to Theater Heaven in Season 7, seven of, of The Connor, Connor and Smith, Smith Show. It's really, I still don't like the intro. Um, so, we had a very special uh, sit down conversation with our dear friend, J. Fred Schiffman, multiple Helen Hayes Award winner. Uh, many nominations. Uh, just a fantastic performer and person. He had found in, in trying to go through thoughts that he would talk up during the interview, he found a scrapbook and he brought that over. So what you're going to hear, especially the first part, is us exploring this scrapbook of incredible memories and all the, the things that happened over the, the Things course. that we
1: never, I never even heard of
0: Yeah, absolutely So we're that's where we are going to start um, And thank you, I just want to say a quick shout out to our Patreon sustaining supporters Thank you so much for your continued support uh, And if you're listening and you want to get our newsletter, sign up There's a quarterly newsletter, it just went out Our Patreon just got a new documentary that's only exclusive to them Yep. Um, There's all kinds of stuff going on, but check it out. The link is in the podcast notes. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. In 1985, Tyler was meeting Justin at their favorite arcade, Longshot. Just as Justin was about to confess his love for Tyler, the world changed. Blending elements of 1980s pop culture and LGBTQIA fiction, we journey through this incredible experience that brings them closer together as they fight against a world trying to keep them apart. <laughs> Listen to Long Shot on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're looking at this amazing scrapbook of Freddie's that um, uh, basically highlights the, a big part of his theatrical career, which was Schiffman and Vance. Um, can you tell us about how that came to be? Who's shiftman and Vance?
2: Yeah. Well, we had a group when we were at New Playwrights. And it was me, Tannis, David, Dana, maybe one other person. And we were called Red Shoes Walkin'. We performed at the Kennedy Center and did our... Uh, Anita Bryant sketch. Um,
1: and this is the tennis that we've met.
2: That died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And David died. And Hunt died.
1: I don't know any of these stories.
2: So um, what came out of that group of people was Timmy, our writer, Tim Grenman, was his idea to just I think it was the summer, to do a two-person show, an evening of sketches, and that was me and Dan. Well, it got rave reviews. Even Nasty David Richards <laughs> uh, said skip the, uh, what is it on the mall, Folklife Fest." Oh, folk like right? um, so, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, full disclosure, somebody called me, so we got disconnected. So we rejoined the conversation uh, explaining new playwrights, a theater that Fred and uh, Shipman Advance worked at, and where it was.
1: Sorry, And new
2: playwrights was on... 1742 Church, where Keegan is.
1: Where Keegan is.
2: Yeah. We did a number of Timmy shows. This is Timmy. He wrote hilarious, incredible musicals. This is Dana. Dana (laughs) is maybe the most talented actress as far as comedy is concerned. She was just unbelievable. This is her telling about finding a dirty magazine in her daughter's bedroom. (laughs) Mary Ann. So this is her saying, um, you take those, you take that magazine and you put it in the trash.
0: And was that a Pennsylvania accent?
2: Yes. Or Baltimore. Very much. Uh, She said, uh, I says to her, look Missy. She knows I'm mad, I call her Missy. Mm. Um, Very funny stuff.
1: Uh, Let me ask you a question. Um, I see here on this beautiful headshot, this is year circa,
2: Oh, that's arena 19- that's one year after Zelda brought me to arena, so that would have been eighty three
1: now I of course know you as Fred as a friend, okay. but have you always been j Fred in in the program?
2: Do you know I had to there was <laughs> there was an agent in New York named Fred Schiffman mm as a matter of fact, once or twice during my 10 years at Capital Talent Agency, I would run into, obviously, an older New York casting director um, who would say, oh, this can't be Fred Schiffman. <laughs> and I thought, I know it's coming. You know, he's probably 90, 90. Um, and I said, no, I, I'm not that Fred Schiffman, well, you know. Uh, but when it came to equity, uh, they made me add the J back.
0: Okay, here we had to take a little break because the dogs were panting and blah, blah, blah. Um, we, we cut back in with uh, the explanation of Red Shoes Walking, the name of their group, and where that came from.
2: All, oh, um, what what'd you say, the Red Shoes? Um, No, we were two from the Red Shoes Walkin'. Okay. Red Shoes Walkin' was French fries with ketchup to carry out. (laughs) And that was a New York... Term. Yeah. You know, like... uh, Cup of Joe, make it light. And then there was... Red Shoes Walkin'. French fries with ketchup to go.
0: Was that like a, a starving artist meal or something? no.
2: Um, it just became a New York nickname. Yeah. I I don't know who would have ordered French fries with ketchup to go, but obviously someone did. And we liked the name. And that all got its start at New Playwrights with Harry Bagdation, rest his soul, Ken Bloom. Um, This was one, this was at uh, Manhattan Theater Club. And this is the other woman Dana played, the scorned.
1: Now, this is not, this is original material or is this all? Oh,
2: total, all Timmy and us. Timmy and Dana and I would sit in her kitchen (laughs) next door. She had an apartment next door to new playwrights, Keegan. And we would just discuss what would be a great idea for a sketch? You know, so we came up with so many of them. And some of these, I had um, about 51 really rave reviews. Um, This was all, all in the family where I played Barrymore. And Lloyd Rose wrote that the second I was off stage, all the air left the play. And the moment I came back, it was restored. I mentioned that because... um, Because it was true.
1: (laughs) Well, it was true.
2: Um, And and fun, a lot of fun. I did a lot of sword fighting, you know. and these are in, obviously in no order. Um, I did Sylvia with Sarah Marshall at Studio. I that
0: you, take a picture. Where
2: that. I played three characters. Uh-huh. The normal guy next door that walked his dog. Um, the society lady that Sarah as the dog <laughs> attacked until I was on the ground, you know, keeping my knees together and waving my high heels. And then I got myself collected and reapply. Um, (laughs) And then the third was a psychiatrist and you couldn't tell what sex they were.
1: (laughs) This is the play that has another title as well called
2: is it Sylvia? No, that's Sylvia or the Goat. Oh, okay. That's Edward Albee. No, I forget I forget the author of Sylvia. But, you know, we sold out and extended it. It's a cute blouse. Thank you. It was a gift. <laughs> um, this is Wanted, where I played John Dillinger. Um, With a knife, you know you can scan these very quickly and and see my name if you should want to. That was another night of uh, Helen Hayes Awards. I don't have my glasses on, but I think it mentions souvenir, souvenir, and it mentions me and saying we triumphed.
0: Yeah, which we which we saw. I saw several times. Let's talk about that one real quick. Now, hang
1: on a second. Yes, and. Uh, that was that studio, <coughs> correct? And studio had at that time was it three spaces?
2: I opened all three of them. Well, there's three. Yes, yeah, there are three: the so, Mead, the Milton, and the Metheny. And we don't count
0: and, the one upstairs,
2: right? The and the, and the
1: souvenir was where? In in, in the
2: uh, was the it Milton? The Milton, the middle theater.
1: Yeah. I don't know who
2: Milton was. We did, uh, I don't know, obviously some sort of money. Yeah. You know, we know who the Meads were. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Russell Matheny, dear friend of uh, Joy and mine, um, they named the new space the Matheny. So I opened that one with the Russian play Ivanov. So it was just funny that. You know, and I did privates on parade mm-hmm. in the Mead on the bottom level and opening night, my dad died.
1: Oh, my.
2: And my mother said to me, don't even think about missing your opening night. First of all, we didn't even have understudies yet. What
0: was your father's name again? I love his name. Emerson. Emerson. Emerson
2: Frederick. Mm-hmm.
0: Unexpectedly?
2: Oh, he'd been ill off and on for years. But he was in his 80s. And so, Joe Ellen flew down, and I uh, helped mom get uh, everything organized, you know, uh, and packing up clothing, and uh, because it was opening night. And and this is a comedy? Private oh, so Yeah, it was me and Floyd. Um, Floyd, Kane. Will Garth, sure. John Cohn. Um, oh, who is that little rosy cheeked? Because uh, he's still working a lot. Huh. But anyway, there was, and I, Floyd and I had lead roles, and you know, there was just no way I was going to take off to Florida for how many days the theater was extremely grateful um this is you know let's
1: let's scooch back to Souvenir Uh yeah yeah. now this is something I did not know about you of course I know about this now but Souvenir is based off of Florence Florence Foster Jenkins right and you and your character also was is a, a historical person as well, mm-hmm. right?
2: Cosme McMoon, her and, accompanist.
1: Right, and this is something that is played live in the show.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And of course, I don't think I knew. And why should I? That at that point when I was going to see the show, I learned quickly that you
2: played the piano. Played the
1: piano. Uh-huh. So how? Um, what was your journey with piano do you start taking lessons at the age oh, of yeah. I went five six eight
2: I, I went to the Pittsburgh playhouse Mrs. Herman was my teacher um, <laughs> what we did do which I think was a great decision when we when the scene moves to Carnegie Hall which she bought out. Um, We wanted the music to be grand, Carnegie Hall, and it was all classical. And she looked so silly, so wonderfully silly. Mm -hmm. Um, So we recorded it so it had a whole louder presence. And then, you know, I didn't care, and Nancy didn't care, but there were people like Well, that's not really him (laughs) playing. And it was like, except it is. And it was all, um, you know, like old Frank Sinatra songs I played and sang um, before she was introduced as Florence to come out in all her outfits. Angel
0: Wings and Halo.
2: Yes. Serge gave us each... um, I don't know if they were plaster of Paris or something heavier but they were a pair of angel wings on a wooden stool Mm -hmm. still have that so as Nance Um, what was fun about us both winning was uh, my category came up first I forget who I was up against I have all those blue folders with You have been nominated for, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I have at least 12 that were for me personally. I never even kept the ensemble ones. Um, So the New York Times did an article on what actors need only step on stage and they get applause. So the New York Times singled me out um, as one of those actors. Um, yeah, and those are Sylvia Reviews.
1: Well, about the New York Times, so they knew uh, of your work in New York, or they would come here and see shows in D.C., or this was...
2: I don't know.
1: That's incredible. I mean, the New York Times doesn't Who's? come
2: do they? Who wrote it? Does it say right? Yes, is it not?
1: Zachary? Pincus Roth.
2: Yeah, that's another reason I hardly paid attention to it. I didn't know who that was. but I got another beautiful review and you won't believe this one um, from Christopher Isherwood at the New York Times for South Pacific, and I have that here. At Arena. At Arena, that basically said, um, it would be nice if I had my glasses.
1: Will these help? They're like one and a half, yeah. two? Yeah. So um, it, he mentions you at Arena Stage, so, he, so they must have come and seen you many times at Arena state. They
0: used to come down and see arena things. Stuff. Or they saw it like 110 at Signature when we did it. Like, <clears> they, like high profile things stuff. And
2: but um, I don't think they reviewed it. This just came out.
0: Can I just read it real quick? On the other hand, regional audiences are sometimes quick to applaud local favorites. Ever heard of J. Fred Schiffman? They certainly have in Washington. He frequently gets entrance applause at Arena Stage. This is 2007, July 1st, 2007. Um, This brings me back to um, Souvenir, and what was the thing an audience member said when
2: you and Nancy came out? Oh, you, you're always good. Well, that was actually at a bar across the street. That was at the Playbill? That's the same no, actually, they that night they had it on the other side of the studio and a couple doors up, and I'm sure that place is long gone. But that's the same woman that said, I honestly don't know who is funnier. Either you or Floyd. <laughs> I think it was Floyd.
0: <laughs> but she said, remind me of the... the- you and Nancy think was it to you or was it to Nancy that she said oh you you're always good to me to you <laughs> yeah
2: yeah uh. But she cast her vote for Floyd just in general right
0: it was an impromptu while, vote while
2: verbally yes.
1: processing the
2: vote I think it was Floyd I think it was
1: Floyd now that I think about now it now that I
2: think about it I think Floyd was funnier
0: I will say, I remember seeing you and she loves me at arena stage and I do recall you getting entrance applause
2: Yeah, as the, the head waiter. And um, that's when Bob Mondello flipped out and called me at home and he said, the whole show becomes electric with your number, a romantic atmosphere. And I mean, I flew around that stage setting the tables, not me, but pointing at my waiters, you know, and blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, I, I didn't realize.
1: Um, we saw that. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
0: what is this? Bob Anthony, may he rest, another one. Uh, I found the actors sing-song the lines with exception of TJ Edwards and J. Fred Schiffman. So the show definitely belonged to J. Fred Schiffman as the Spanish suitor. This is in uh, Lovers and Executioners Arena Stage by John Strand.
2: Uh, And I got a Helen Hayes for that. Yeah. That's where I was the conquistador in the whole conquistador outfit, which weighed a ton.
0: This is, uh, may he rest, I'm not trying to speak ill of the dead, but Bob Anthony had a very very distinct, um, very simple, simplistic, I love the last line of this review, yes, go to this play, which you will enjoy, if you are amenable to silly speech and behavior. Right. You know, isn't
2: that specific? Do
0: you just check a, you know, I'm feeling like seeing a play, I really want to find something with silly speech and behavior. Like, I'm going to go to Wooly. You know?
2: <laughs> I'm going to go to Wooly. It's so stupid. Oh. B. King. That was the name of the article. And it's all... About you? Yeah. Can I see just a minute?
0: Yeah. I mean, if we're going through this scrapbook. Let's go through it proper. I'm going to look for the pull oh, quotes. it gives us something to talk about. Proteus has nothing on J. Fred Schiffman. He is a chimerical, multi-layered guy presenting different facets of himself to different observers. Handy traits for a stage actor. Um, By day, Schiffman is a mild-mannered accountant for an ad agency. I don't know if I've ever described you as mild-mannered. I don't know. I mean, that seems like you're a,
2: a librarian. I was a friend of my friend James, a former boss. I was in between shows. I had turned down that I wasn't interested in doing, but then that made me um, unemployed. Long story short, I took an accounting position, and within five years, I was the executive vice president of new business. Oh. That was Abenson Labus Vandervelde. Um, so I started out as the lowest of low accounting clerk and through my friend Burberry, Barbara, who killed herself two Christmases ago, um, I just shot up through the ranks. And see, yep. the CEO, the president, David Abramson, sent me a beautiful telegram and my point there is I've had I had numerous other jobs while I was acting and I have to say everyone from the top brass all the way down to, to my co-workers uh, would have had it no other way and they would form a group to come to see my shows and My big boss, Jerry Vandevelde, was like, hey, it's four o'clock, don't you wanna go over to the um, green room and get a little rest before the show? And I said, well, uh, I may take you up on that. Uh, Since you're offering. And I did. Yeah. And I would leave uh, 12th and K, the building there, and um, just go early and I literally would nap in the smoking green room. Oh yes. The smoking um, green room of Arena Stage. Didn't
1: you tell me at one point in, in our <coughs> chit chats through the years that you at one point also had auditioned in, in for SNL? Or was that something in LA? or well, No, that
2: was New York. But um, what we actually were called in for was um, William Finn mm. was wanting to do a show called. Um,
0: if you hear panting, it's not Fred, it's Byron. Sorry about that.
2: <laughs> um, and Ritz crackers was the name. His idea of the show, and it was the Ritz Theater, which I don't know if it's even still there anymore. But hence Ritz Crackers. Right. Then William Morris sent us on an audition, more than one, for Saturday Night Live. Um, Al Franken was the main writer. They ended up not using us, but uh, that's the one where they stole material. We had a, a very funny sketch called I Married an Asshole. And I um, went to AA, Assholes Anonymous. <laughs> and Dana was my poor put-upon wife. Well, yeah, and and anonymous. they came up with I Married a Gorilla. And so they copied everything Timmy had written and changed it from an asshole... To a gorilla. To a gorilla. So we... I mean, we weren't sweating it, but we lived through that. Right.
1: What a nice compliment.
2: Yeah. Let's just steal their material.
0: I want to go back to this article uh, <clears throat> briefly just to quote something. The source of his fluid movement, the much sought after dance ability, also harks back to his high school days. True to his Protean nature, Fred, though an honor student, cut classes to catch up on the latest dances. Little Schiffman, as he was known to them, hung with a gang of black teenagers who taught him the more <laughs> the more uh, taught him the moves. Being a '60s-style gang, they indulged in nothing more sinister than drinking beer under the bleachers at football games. Still, he looked the part. The outfit, tight t-shirt, black chinos, and a black leather jacket, he still occasionally doffs to rev up his memories. <laughs> that is a great paragraph. Um, so you basically would cut school and learn the dances like in Hairspray. We only had
2: 12 black kids in, I think there were 800 and some in you know, sophomore, freshmen, etc. When I would go to the dances, which I think were usually on Friday nights, I would only dance with the black girls Mm -hmm. and people would form a circle around us at the high school gym. Um, That's what that was all about. So it wasn't all 12 of them. I think two or three were on the football team and they were men. But eight or nine of our black students were uh, African-American girls. Quite honestly, um, people would form a circle around once we took to the floor. but I loved, you know, high school dancing.
1: Yeah. Um, Fred, I don't remember. Did you? I don't want to say go to school. Did you go? Did you go to a conservatory or an acting program?
2: No. You just
1: um, just dove right into it.
2: It started in eleventh grade. They in, installed a theater arts class at Baldwin High School and I signed up for the class. Here can you show those to Maddie so he can t- take those. Best improviser. Yes. Well, and um mm. so now
0: then we'll get to that.
2: <laughs> um it started that way in high school, but when I went to West Virginia University, I was a language and linguistics major. And it wasn't until I met Tanis and a number of other people that were in the drama department and started not only hanging out with them, but I left um, my roommate and moved in with these kids, uh, the fabulous kids uh, in the drama department. And I never went back to the Towers, which is what it was called, uh, until I needed to go and fetch all of my clothing that I had just left back in the room. Um, uh, This was Laura Linney oh my god eric stoltz judy
0: simmons this this is an autographed cover of the script of barefoot in the park by neil simon Mm -hmm. um laura linney Mm. says what fun thanks so much all the best laura l eric stoltz says fred you rock many thanks eric stoltz and judy says great to be together again love judy simmons
1: were you a company member at arena
2: no
0: no but they at one point
1: did have a company
2: oh gosh yes yeah
1: like back in the for
2: many years yeah yeah. many years um and talk about being well taken care of um they were employed 52 weeks a year you would spend the summers in the Colorado mountains. This is with Doug Wager when he ran Arena. Um, this was the New York Times, and believe it or not, there's Kate Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I-, I couldn't believe this when this came out from the Times. Let me see. Um, but neither they nor anyone, meaning Kate, and uh, what was his name? Anyway, they played her love interest, some enchanted evening, blah, blah, blah. Uh, neither they nor anyone else is larger than life, hogs the spotlight, or steals scenes. And that allows. That allows an unoverwhelmed audience to absorb other things, like the modest, thoughtful, and even charming performance of J. Fred Schiffman, who turns the non singing role of Captain Brackett, the military commander on the island, into an indelible element of the show. Here's Jim Parsons at <laughs> my apartment. And this was during 9-11 because we couldn't open. Now, he wasn't in Midsummer Night's Dream, but he was in his final year at USC, uh, USD, San Diego.
0: Mm.
2: And we met, and then he started hanging out with all of us And everybody hung out at my apartment. It was the Victor Garber condo. It was the top floor with San Gabriel Mountains. And um, in fact, that's where everyone gathered uh, each day to follow up on what was going on with 9-11. Because there we were in San Diego and the rest of the world, you know, But Jimmy was over there all the time. Um, And I went to his, uh, a showcase. Mm -hmm. So I went to a showcase, his showcase, and he was just fantastic. And then fast forward to Jim Parsons. At one point, I guess, Highest paid guy on TV.
0: Um, What was that show called he was on? Big Bang Theory? Yeah, Yeah. that's it.
2: Big Bang Theory and my buddy Little Jimmy. Mm. Mm. Who now is far from being Little
0: Jimmy? Mm -hmm. Going back real quick to the the South Pacific, you didn't do Pittsburgh accent with the... your character, I, you, did you do Baltimore? Did you do something else? I never
2: did Baltimore. If I was going to do that, and of course I had to use that selectively, I wasn't going to do it for multiple roles. People
0: wouldn't understand, yeah.
2: But I had a great scene with Kevin Burroughs who went off mission and did something. And it was like, Well, what did you do? And he said, and I responded. (laughs) Same (laughs) gesture twice, yeah. Um, But it was so much fun to do that with Kevin because that's obviously something we found in rehearsal. Uh, These are some of Timmy's scripts.
1: That's fantastic.
2: Mm -hmm. did you ever
1: play uh, did you ever move to LA or do anything on the west coast
2: no what happened was um eventually William Morris because at this point Dana, Timmy and I would take the train up to New York uh, anytime they needed us um And then Dana and Timmy said, we want to move to New York. So what happened was we were invited to a club, now defunct, long defunct, uh, called Reno Sweeney's. And we were given I guess, 20 or 25 minutes to do a couple of our sketches. Lo and behold, we did them, and they went over well. We went back to the table and instantly ordered a drink, and here come these three people. (laughs) And all three of them were buddy-buddy, and all three of them were William Morris agents. So Esther Sherman became our main agent. Now, she was a literary agent. She represented Athol Fugard. She represented um, Edward Albee. Mm, mm
0: -hmm.
2: And Lucia Sito was our television agent, and she represented um, David Letterman. Mm. And then Greg Mullins was our personal appearance agent. Uh, I forget who did what, but that only came to be because they were just tight. The three of them would go see everything together, you know, and approached our table and produced their business cards. Hi, I'm Esther. I'm Lucy. I'm Greg. Uh, We're with the William Morris Agency. And um, how long are you in town? And I said, well, you know, it's kind of up in the air. Um, They said, is there any way the three of you could be at our offices tomorrow at 10 a.m. on the, uh there's another name for Sixth Avenue on the east side, the huge building. This was William Morris. So we went, Joellen cried. She was worried that, oh my God, they're, they're going to make us move to New York and I'm, I don't know if I'm ready for that, but whatever, whatever. Um, And we went the next day and they said, uh, and I, I have the welcome letter. I just didn't come upon it here, but I still have it. Roger had me keep it at the agency, but it was a William Morris letterhead, and it was like, dear Fred and Dana, um, thank you for putting your professional lives in our hands, and we will do everything right for you, to take care of you. Wow. Um, Then Esther died of a brain tumor, Greg Mullins died of AIDS, and Lucy Aceto made her way up. She climbed up, it was more than Letterman. When we got there, Ellen Green was in the office.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: Um, So we sat with her.
0: All right, we are back with Fred and we wanna make sure there's several things to hit.
2: Um, Why don't you start there at the top with Camelot? Yes, and what's funny about this is that I went to that goodbye party for Molly Smith. Mm -hmm. And at one point in our conversation, she said, who was the actor playing your big dog? Because in Camelot, I was both uh, Merlin, and King Pelinor. Pelinor, right. And Pelinor had a huge dog, and they got a fabulous, huge costume from, I want to say, uh, Baltimore. So I don't know what show that would have been, but um, it was so cute, and it was huge. and Big what, shaggy dog. Big shaggy dog. Mm-hmm. And so when I... Um, of course, anywhere I went, he went. And she said, do you remember? Suzanne and I were in the audience the night the dog slipped on his paws and without your knowledge, fell into the orchestra pit.
0: Oh my God.
2: <laughs> oh, the ouch. So I, and he was actually okay. Um, He had
0: all that padding
2: from the costume. Probably. Yeah. So I turned around after the scene to get this furry dog uh, for our exit. And I looked around, and I thought, where's the dog? (laughs) Where is it? And I didn't want to give anything away. But the Hawaiians saw the dog fall into the pit, but I didn't. <laughs> so, Molly's favorite memory, because she and Suzanne were there. Seeing it. Was seeing. And I said, for the life of me, I cannot, because it was a course kid, cannot remember who it was in the outfit. It. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, sure enough, he slipped on the costume paws and without knowing it, you know, and it was a shaggy ass dog. Was it from Peter Pan? Mm-hmm. It was uh,
0: a Nana. It was a Nana
2: costume. And down he went into the orchestra pit. Oh God. What show was this? Camelot. Camelot. Oh my God. And I didn't know. I was the only one in the whole arena that didn't know he had made an exit into the pit orchestra pit. So there's me looking for him and you know, oh, obviously all I did was make my exit figured out. And so I ran down to the pit and I was like, oh my God, is he okay? And they were like, "Yeah." He's fine. We didn't expect him <laughs> to drop in. We didn't expect to drop in, but uh, yeah,
0: he's fine. Wow. That, that could have ended a different way. <laughs>
2: well, he, first of all, he could have been injured.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, before we get into Damn Yankees, anytime I'm in a uh, thinking of arena, and thinking of the pit, um, you know, the cutaway for the conductor to kind of mm-hmm. poke up and see. Because yeah. the pit, for those that unfamiliar...
2: frequently George.
0: George Fulganiti um, Shikarma, he rest. For those unfamiliar, the pit for in the, the Fitch Handler Theater is frequently under the stage. It, it is always under the stage, almost always. I think it was almost above always. once in Carousel, I think. Yeah, it was above...
2: In one of the bombs,
0: but uh I did Oliver there in in twenty fifteen and was doctor I saw that grim doctor Grimwig, so I had a very grim wig <laughs> and it was modern, and I had um all kinds of uh, uh hand sanitizer that I constantly after I touched the boy would hand sanitize, so my hands were constantly slick, and I had to give him a thermometer. And then when I pulled out the thermometer, my hands were so slick that the th- thermometer went flying. This happened to be the night that Eric Schaefer was in attendance. Was it a real thermometer mm-hmm. with mercury in it? Oh, oh no, no, no. It was like a... Okay. But the, the thermometer went flying and I laughed it off and went, Oh, slippery fingers. Don't ask why. <laughs> Not thinking. And half of the audience laughed and half of the audience went, "Ooh." <laughs> <laughs> Among the laughing was Eric Schaefer. <laughs> um, he
2: so, would laugh at
0: that. Of course. I was mortified as soon as I said it in front of a child. Oliver. Oliver. <clears throat> so speaking of our time and arena together, where we first met was Dan Yankees, 2005, with, of course, uh, Meg Gillantine and Matt Bogart and... Uh, Brad. Brad Oscar, of course. Diego being the gayest cop in a court ever. Get your hands off me, you Republican! Hands Ray- on hips, Rayanne. Rayanne, I had the poorest hot dog I've ever had. Get your hands off me, you, you Republican. Republican! Yeah, I think that's my favorite line and, in that show. And the uh, you played Welch, the team owner, Mister Welch. Yes. Um, and there was a press conference scene where you came in with Tracy Oliver, who played. Uh, Miss... My secretary. I can't remember her name, Miss something. I want to say Miss Gulch, but that's a Wizard of Oz. Some... I can't remember what it was, but she was remarkable in a part with oh, no lines.
2: I kept her pencil in her hair.
0: And had a clipboard. And uh, Yes. You came out for the press conference. I was also playing one of the people, the press corps. Weren't you guys elevated from me? You were elevated and we were crouching down. You were up... With Tracy and we were like squatting down with with cameras.
2: Okay, I don't didn't remember it that. It probably I...
0: felt the opposite because you right. felt very low. <laughs> so you came out for a big press conference speech and you
2: proceeded to say, "So, well, <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> and it's about then that Tracy." Olivera jumped in, and you know, beautifully, just segued into her asking my questions. Yeah. To the ballplayers, um, and Stephen of all people got <laughs> the biggest ass kick out of that. So now then, well, well,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we gave each other shit all the time about oh, things. Oh, I know. In, in the in that aforementioned scene, when Rayanne said, "Get your hands off of me, you Republican," and Diego put his hands on his hip, hips in a very Fey manner, everyone died on stage. You, including you, because you were at the table, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing you break and put your hand over your face, and the whole audience was dying, and it was Diego's like natural
2: reaction to be like. Oh, Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and in the picture that I have, um, he's in the center with a cigar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The the. That's one of the ball
0: players at the um, at base famous picture um, yeah. that I use for everyone who's in its birthday. It pops up. As, yeah.
2: Exactly. Um,
1: Didn't y'all do a calendar? We did yeah. do a calendar. Yeah? <laughs> Where yeah. is the calendar?
2: Oh, Lord knows. Lost to humanity. I think I may have it in all my junk. Somewhere. In a folder. And some some of the girls were racy. But I have a couple other that we don't need to spend too much time on. My big break at Arena Stage, what happened was my William Morris agent, Esther Sherman, her best buddy was Howard Ashton. So I got to know Howard through Esther. So the role was being played by Bob Westenberg, who then had to leave the show to do Secret Garden on Broadway with Mandy patina Howard said, starting with Esther, um, put Fred in, see, See, put Fred in. I mean, this is a sophisticated attorney in, in a suit. And I had a fabulous dance number. And at the end I stabbed an apple I think the lyrics started out with my professor at Cornell, may his soul rest in hell. It was a cute number. (laughs) First time. And I had, well, I shouldn't say first time. I also changed clothing and had to go on for someone who is ill a guy that had a microphone like you know interviewing people and all that and I started my walk around the vom and I got the vom three and I tripped on the cord and I knew I was going to fall so with one hand I pushed on the floor and I did a complete flip. (gasps) Wow. And came back up with the mic. To uproarious applause. I don't know. I don't remember that part. Because of course I was people
0: probably thought it was on purpose.
2: Exactly.
0: He's just doing somersaults out there. Special skills. Little Shiftman.
2: Just learned that dance. Did a flip. In the 60s. Because I thought, I am not falling on my ass.
1: What show is this?
2: Uh, this would have been God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater.
1: God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater? I don't know. It's think Kurt I've Vonnegut. Even... Ah.
2: And we had, uh, what's his name that maybe played Lurch television? To... Oh, I don't know the actor's name, but I know Lurch. Yeah. Um,
1: Was he from around here?
2: No, he was a New York, L.A. Uh, Lurcher. Guy. He was wonderful. Um, But the show had never been produced, especially at that level. And if you've ever even read the small book, um, it's very clever. And he comes to this town... And basically saves everyone from whatever their grievances are. Um, Fred Gwynn. Yes, so he was Herman Munster, not Lurch. Okay, you're right.
0: Lurch was the uh, Adams family, I think. Herman Munster. Fred
2: Gwynn. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, it was Fred Gwynn. Great actor. Um, that was my big break. That was my first. You replaced him. Yes, but I had advanced knowledge that I would be replacing him. It wasn't like you got to go on tonight. Please tell me he was a sweet guy, adorable, yeah, and beautiful. Mm-hmm. He dropped the business many years ago and uh, became a teacher. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, he but was if, also in Pet Cemetery, the movie. The Stephen King movie oh yeah
2: oh yeah very big part in that he was wonderful that was like performer. 87
0: I think anyway
2: that could be mm-hmm. yeah um but I saved my ass I thought uh, fuck this. I'm not on my back in the arena flip for my big opening at arena with a couple of friends there my lover Peter Yegerman, Russ is so. Um certainly Joellen. Um, and I remember sitting across Main Avenue at that uh, Mexican...
0: The Cantina place? Yeah.
2: By the water. Thinking, mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm going to take over this role at Arena Stage, because very quickly, when I made a breakthrough from new playwrights, I didn't know there was all this buzz, because I didn't know DC as a, a theater town. I came from West Virginia University with my close loved ones, did these shows, these Tim Grundman shows or reviews at New Playwrights Theater and um, anyway, it was like I am not ending up on my ass it, that's just it's not going to happen <laughs> it's not happening it's career and self-preservation in one exactly mm-hmm. so I got through that with that one and did a did an entire flip. You flipped um, out. Flipped out <laughs> and we did that. The
0: Odd Couple. Yes. With Rick Fouché which I loved. Which my favorite line is: "Some vacation, two cheap two cheapskates in an empty hotel." That's my favorite line. Matt was in the Odd Couple. It
2: used to be two Jews.
0: Oh, I'm glad they changed it.
2: Yeah.
1: My favorite line is, it's not spaghetti, it's
0: linguine. You played the same
2: character, both of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
1: was in high
2: school. Oscar. Right? No. Um, Felix. 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 So one night, act three, is another argument between me and Rick on stage. And... It was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Jerry Whidden directed it Mm -hmm. and basically left us alone. And as you pointed out, we had Bill Delaney. Mm. It's a uh, great cast. Marcus Kidd.
0: Hysterical people.
2: Paul um, from Olney. uh, Morella? Paul Morella. We got to this scene in the third act. Um, it may have been when I came out brandishing a a sweeper Mm -hmm. and running it under his feet Mm -hmm. and doing all this. And all of a sudden, there was a commotion in the back of the theater at Theater J. Now, instantly we didn't know what was going on, Mm -hmm. but we paused. And they brought the house lights up. And Rick and I are just standing on stage, maybe just as curious as anyone else about, oh my God, what what happened, you know, and people around this woman, I guess, were trying to tend to her. Fast forward. She laughed so hard that she had a conniption or whatever a better word a for it. seizure? Uh, no, not medical. Laughing until she was choking.
0: Oh, is that what a conniption is?
2: I guess.
0: I've always thought of, when I hear a conniption, I just think it's like a fit, a fuss. I don't know what a conniption really is. is it a Actually, that
2: may not be the best word, but it was... Um, Definitely. She was short of breath, let's say. Yeah. And her neighbors up there noticed it, and eventually the booth brought the house lights up. So Rick and I are standing down there, not understanding what is going on, assuming it was a medical emergency. Mm -hmm. And that maybe they had called an ambulance and all that. Well the woman got her shit together and finally blurted out. I'm so sorry. I I just couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> and which left Rick and I this is a great memory of Rick Fouche. Um, that calmed down, they brought the house lights down, and Rick said to me, right in front of everyone, um, okay, where do you want to pick it up, and I said, uh, um, he said, how about on this line? I said, that's great, and then instantly, We were back in character and finished the play. But it was almost scary wondering if someone was having a heart attack in the theater. um, And she was just having a laughing conniption. (laughs) If I was the press agent for Theater J, that's the
0: quote I would put on all the posters. I just couldn't stop laughing. woman. Who collapsed during show. You'll pee a little. <laughs> <laughs>
2: ah. So that was an amazing evening. Mm.
0: We saw that. At, I, I think I saw it twice. I think we saw it together once. I used to see things a lot when I worked at Ticket Place.
2: Sure. I And, remember.
0: and I would get free tickets because I worked at Ticket Place.
1: Yeah. So Fred, when you worked at the arena, this was before it was turned into a one roof. When all the theaters were like still separate oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: and then the last last couple times i worked for them we were at um crystal city mystery of Irma s- yeah
1: we saw that
2: but um also we did uh what's the death of a salesman mm-hmm. and we did um It wasn't room with a view. It was view from the bridge. A view from the bridge, mm-hmm. and then Brad and I did uh, Irma Vep. Irma Vep. Uh, no real stories about Irma Vep, except the air
0: conditioning. Uh. You're first of all for those not familiar with the mystery of Irma Vep, you should be. Um, but Fred and Brad Oscar wonderfully portrayed like a million characters, many of which were in drag, in these incredible costumes that probably weighed 30, 40 pounds. David Zinn. In the middle of summer and the air was on the fritz. And they had uh, cooling devices stuck into their costumes. And it was still mean. We each
2: had three dressers. And on their t-shirts someone had done uh, team Oscar, Team Schiffman, because at each time we needed three dressers. Brad had one change that was even more quick than any of mine. Um, but they were insane. And the that's changes. kind of the
1: point in the yeah. fun of the show is watching. Well, these, like, costumes.
2: actually, the reviews that weren't so great and. The story went, it was overdone at Arena. You know, this was a little off-Broadway, and there weren't David Zinn costumes and David Zinn's sets.
0: They wanted it to be scrappier than it
2: was. Absolutely, and but not worry. that's worried. what made it
0: amazing. That's what, in my viewpoint, I mean, those dress... You would walk a corner, walk around a corner, exit... Come back thirty seconds later in a totally new wig and outfit, and it was like, "How are they doing this?" I I get it on the cheap, yeah, but but that was like, and I don't think it was a detriment to the show. I think
2: it upped the show's ante. Well, a lot of people did, yeah, but other people who had seen it in New York were like, "No, no, it's it is supposed to be quick pace." Is it Charles? It's not Charles Bush, is it?
0: Um, no, it, it, but it's of that no. school of like that cheap kind of campy vampire lesbians of Sodom kind of, um, so who was that? Um, Irma Vep, who wrote Irma Vep? I don't know. Um, I'm on it. Matt's look, Matt's got a Google in his hand.
2: Got a Google.
0: It, I got a Google in my hand. Mystery of Irma Vep. I should know this.
2: Um, Me. Eli gave me a Charles
1: ho-
2: Bush, Charles Ludlam. Ludlam. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the theater imported three hundred blankets because the audience was freezing. Oh, give me a break! And Brad and I, Were dying. We're dying up there. You know, in and. I forget who did the lights. Was Derek McLean lights? Mm -hmm. No, set, set. He was set. Who was, um... You know, anyway, and on top of that, the show is lit with floodlights at the foot of the stage.
0: So you're like a little hot dog in (laughs) 7-Eleven.
2: Rolling around. On warming, yeah. Um... But that was the big thing, and I'm almost... That wasn't done.
0: even on the list, but it, it's worthy of mention.
2: Lovers and Executioners at Arena. Mm-hmm. John Strand redid it from the French. My leading lady was the fabulous Ellen Karras. Oh, okay. Who had been, I guess, the girlfriend of Marty Lodge um one scene, uh, so she was my lover and I was in total conquistador. I mean the metal breastplate the conquistador hat, and all that and wherever I went, I pulled a wagon with all this weaponry on it. So I'm supposed to meet her center stage for the next scene. So I come down the bomb, carrying my cart and I get to center stage. And I think I took out a sword and, you know, just, and all of a sudden it was like, where is Ellen? Where is Ellen? <laughs> She was throwing up in a trash can at the end of VOM 3. Oh, no. Like you do on Cheese Day. Like you do. And um, so I couldn't communicate with the booth, nor they with me. They were, luckily, they were real weapons, even though they were you know old yeah i did a 9 minute or 10 minute ballet trying out these weapons and the audience loving it and you know in I hadn't even played with most of the props. <laughs> I wish I could
0: see this. <laughs>
2: oh, my God, yeah.
1: Practicing different ways. You might sling it or fling it or toss it or shoot it.
2: All I knew is I was on stage alone. I had no idea where Ellen Karas was. And you had a was. wagon of props. A wagon of props. Thank God. Yeah.
0: Is there a video?
2: No, I'm sure
0: not. I'm sure there
2: is, for but the not for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. And by the time I was done and I spotted her coming down Farm 3, I thought, oh, thank you, my God. You have left me out here. You know, at the time, I didn't know she was sick or throwing up or whatever. And she ended up being... um, a very needy actress you know although we got along fine um so there was that little weapon display just me and the arena patrons <laughs> and me improvising
1: for 10 minutes
2: for 10 minutes <laughs> which they all assumed was a part of it was a part of it. Yeah. Um, finally. Were you in
1: Elmo Gantry?
2: No. <laughs> no, he was spared that. That was Casey Biggs. <laughs> um, oh, that's another thing. This is dirt, so it'll probably have to be cut out because it was Doug Wager, was directing, and it was also head of arena at the time. Um. I was offered the role of Anthony Cavendish, John Barrymore. I don't know if you know, uh, the Royal family, but it was about the Barrymores, um, that's another one where the post said, but the second he leaves the stage, all the air goes out of the production.
0: And everyone hates you in the cast because of that
2: review, right? You mean <laughs>
1: Drew Barrymore family actors? Mm-hmm. It's all yeah. about that legacy of that family? Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool.
2: Not only did I enter with two Italian real dogs. Greyhounds or? Maybe greyhounds. Were they big dogs? Um, they were big, skinny dogs. And so when I finally made my entrance, it was upstairs into the family's living room, and I had these two dogs. Yes, one night they started humping one another, which sent the audience, you know, ablaze. Ablaze. And that's fine. I was given a, I was able to reach a vase and I was in a spate of anger then to throw it back downstairs where it would crash. And it was cute, you know, they had to have a new one for every performance. And then one night I took this vase And I threw it down these stairs, and it stuck on uh, whatever they call, you know. It's like a fencing post or something? Well, it's like the end of the staircase had a, it ends in I-A-L, sigil. Sigil. Sigil.
0: I'm making that up. The, the, the knob at the end of the po- the yeah. yeah.
2: Which I'd never hit before. Well, this time I threw it directly on there. And instead of this big crash, we got... Nothing. A little ping. <laughs> I thought, well, nothing to do about it. I'm not going to go back down there and wrestle it off. Okay. And smash it again. Filial. A filial. A filial. So it was, you know, at the end of a staircase, a little pointy thing that, you know, through this thing and no sound, no laugh. (laughs) But I had the dogs and they were a crowd pleaser. I would have gone down and broke it. (laughs) Excuse me one minute. Um, (laughs) I'll be right back. (laughs) Um, And then finally I wrote down uh, South Pacific. And I was, what did we say, Captain Brackett? Mm -hmm. Kyle Prue, Back in his, oh my God, is he gorgeous. And, you know, him and Vinnie Run, every, every man? Oh yeah, Vinnie, Vinnie
0: uh, Baltimore. yeah, yeah, Len Cheesy.
2: Yeah, um, he played my lieutenant and I was Captain Brackett. So we're coming to the end of the play and on all four Voms, they were done with uh, bamboo. Bamboo, 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 bamboo. It being arena stage, we had a real army jeep. And he was my driver. And we start down to end the play. Something happens. And Kyle... Runs into the bamboo in, <laughs> in volume 1 and cannot get out, cannot back us out. And God love him, within earshot of the entire audience, he said, All right, get out, Captain, we're walking. <laughs> And so we walked center stage. They wouldn't have known except seeing this turned Jeep in the bomb.
0: <laughs> Kyle and I still la- Yeah.
2: <laughs> still laughed because I neither one of us really know what exactly went wrong. Because you know we had driven that Jeep in other scenes.
0: Um, That's so wild that... It was a jeep he drove on stage, or that Kyle drove. That's yeah, that's arena stage, man. That's they're Oklahoma, same thing.
2: Well, in San Diego, when Kyle Donnelly had me out uh, to play Bottom in *Midsummer Night's Dream*, uh, I was the first person cast. And so I shamelessly just came out and said, "I've never been to San Diego, so if you have a fabulous condo, and that's where you see Jimmy Parsons mm-hmm. um she said, Sure, we will give you Victor Garber's condo um and it was just a splendid condo um." course, course, nine eleven happened. Right. Well, we were out there. Um, but what was my point about midsummer? Oh, yeah. Talk about theaters with money. Mm. Um, I was. What began to happen with people like Molly, Cal Donnelly, him and was. They knew I worked from the outside in, which meant if I can just picture what I looked like, I have my character.
0: 100%. I, yeah.
2: I don't need to, you know, do character studies. I'm the same way.
0: I've always been the same way.
2: Well, they got to the point where they, each of them, would say, um, all right, what do you want to wear? So that was true of the miser at Arena, where I had one of those grease monkey gray suits, greasy black hair down to here. I played Jacques the Cook and Jacques the Chauffeur, Um, Molly always that American Daughter we did with Prosky and um, what do you want to look like? Uh, Who's our costume lovely at Arena? Joe. Joe, yeah. Bought me a $300 pair of Prada choose for one thing. <laughs> um, so anyway, that was an American daughter. And it was great to be with Prosky. He, he used to make wooden ink pens. And to this day, I have this gift of a beautiful, lathed wooden ink pen that Bob Prosky gave me as an opening night gift. Um, and, uh, this one, yes, I was on the corner of 14th and P his picture, not just him. Fred's
0: face was on the corner of 14th and P on the studio theater building
2: for nine or maybe 10 years. Then they renovated and then they put Floyd up. Where uh, I had been. I guess he
0: was funnier. <laughs>
2: exactly. He must uh. have been funnier. But it was him in drag uh. from Privates on Parade, which is kind of what his costume was. Uh, mine was me uh, from Rhinoceros. Mm. You know, where I turned into a rhinoceros and destroyed the sets. <laughs> Um, and that's about as far as I got. Um,
1: well, those are great stories.
0: I mean, you never talked about holding a balloon on a stick in showboat, but that's okay, you know.
2: <laughs> I loved that moment, and actually, everybody did because I was you were there, right? Yeah, I was given a Balloon. Eric was assigning props. Know, yeah, yeah, that. And I didn't wait five minutes. That Eric, um, could we lose the balloon because I feel like a child molester?
1: <laughs> Weren't we in that scene where I was the piano player acting like I was playing the piano, and you were auditioning Terry Burrell for? were we together yeah uh, she
2: sang uh just my bill
1: yes
2: yeah
1: yes with the legendary terry burrell
2: i loved that wow um loved it
1: well i mean not to be a uh a big Schiffman fan but i mean (laughs) why not I, i i i mean i've always said to you i mean literally um Every time I watched you on the stage, and it was not nearly enough, because clearly I couldn't see you know, everything that you did, but everything that you always did. There are people out there that we all know can perform, and they can say lines, and they can go to places, and they can drive their Jeep into the bamboo.
2: <laughs>
1: but to really see people transform, into losing their identity of who they are. I mean, it's just always so beautiful to watch. And, you know, I never saw Fred in anything I ever saw. I never saw you really the the same way twice in any sort of similar way ever. I mean, um, and that's very rare sometimes, I think, when you are emulating things that other people have. Done, or you're regurgitating shows that have already been seen. Yeah. But, you know, so I just always I thought watching you always was just such a beautiful masterclass in how to. One of of the things that I think you have so well innately, maybe it comes from maybe an internal clock because you are a musician, but you have fucking impeccable timing on deliveries of when and how things should land and I don't think that's something that can be taught
2: I don't think any of it can be taught because I didn't study it that's my whole reason it's not aren't I great I never studied this it was intuitive that's how I That is intuitive this is how I work
1: yeah yeah Um, you
2: can see that well
0: I'll sum it up a bit simpler by saying by saying Freddie you you're always good (laughs) love you (laughs) Freddie
2: love you boys thank you for this thank you Bye. Bye. bye
0: Thanks so much for joining us, Fred. That was a very special time. Thanks, Fred. We loved it. Um, We love you. We love you very much. Uh, Just a few crass commercial announcements. Uh, We have a bunch of stuff coming up uh, in the coming months. Concerts. We have Find Your Light, Act 2, that will be at the Lyceum in Alexandria, starring Natasha Diaz, Susan Derry, and... Sarah Ann Sillars. That's right. Um... That will be on the 26th of September, 7.30 at the Lyceum. And maybe Jimmy Maverickas. Oh, you just dropped a big... Big Big secret. Big secret. All right. After that, uh, October, if you're in North Carolina, uh, we have Ichabod coming to the Summerfield um, Stages, Summerfield Stages. Yep. Get your tickets. Yep. Uh, And after that, in November, if you happen to be around Baltimore, our show Witch will be presented in November by the Still Point Theater. And then in December, we're going to Richmond. In Richmond, we have the Silver Bells at Virginia Rep Theater. So we have a lot of things coming up. Um, In four different states. That's right. We're very excited about it. If you want to learn more about us, please visit com. That's Connor with an ER. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, wherever you find us, uh, Connor and Smith. Again, Connor, Google. Connor with an ER. You can support us on Patreon if we as we've also already stated. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It really helps us out a lot. Share it where you share things. Post it where you post things. Um that Is all I have for this week. Uh, We hope you have a great Labor Day weekend. Bye! Bye!